In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast rogue is the one and only... My name is Travis Ratz. It's a fantastic Batman voice for today, Travis, because on the Comic Exposure Podcast today, about? this is my hungover voice. <laughs> we are talking about the long Halloween, Batman, the long Halloween. It is a, a spooky podcast as we are in the month of October and we're fastly, quickly approaching uh, Halloween. Uh, if you've never tuned into the podcast before, ladies and gentlemen, on this podcast, we do a uh, biweekly uh, comic book club. So every other week. We get a comic book, a graphic novel, a trade, and we bring a guest on, and we do like a roundtable sort of discussion, a comic book club, a book club, but with comics. Uh, And this is one of those glorious episodes where we are reading or discussing Batman The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And Travis, we are joined— Don't get confused because it is bi-weekly, and we are also both bi— yeah, don't get confused by that. Yeah. Uh, we on the podcast today. We have a three-peat guest. Three-peat is it? Three-peat? No, uh, two-peat. Two-peat. Oh, I thought I thought Dan was. I thought Dan was a three-peat. No, we got. Well, I, went, I went and watched you. I went and watched you. In fact, I'm. That's, um, go ahead. <laughs> that's right. So I guess we should probably introduce our guest. Our guest on the show today is who? Travis, who's our guest today? Our guest on the show is the highly esteemed. Dr. Dan, Dan McCloy in the house. He has a hey, PhD in awesomeness and uh, a minor in comicology. And also like a, an actual PhD that's not in awesomeness. Yeah, that's an actual uh, PhD. You <laughs> <laughs> don't I, acknowledge I that. That you guys asked me to be here for Batman because we talked about Daredevil. That's right. That's right. And I'm, we talked I'm, about Marvel's like, Batman. <laughs> Right, and I'm remiss because I I have that comic exposure T-shirt that I should be wearing. I was just eyeballing it the other day. You know, no one's watching this though, so it's okay. <laughs> I know, but I I feel better if I'm wearing it. I like oh, how I you were you. eyeballing it, like it was in your closet, and you're like, I want to get that shirt on me real. Soon. I do want to get. That <laughs> I'm going to get that shirt all over around me. I think today I've got a shirt that Travis bought me on. I've got a shirt with uh, Abraham Lincoln punching a dinosaur. From uh, good old Travis Ratz, and I've got a Burt Reynolds shirt on. Burt Reynolds. So now that we've all we've all we've all put our wardrobes, we've all, we've all discussed our wardrobe. What pants are you guys uh, wearing? What kind of pants are you wearing? I'm wearing oh. basketball shorts because ball is life, buddy. Ball is life. I'm or not I'm wearing. Not, I'm not wearing pants. Not caring. <laughs> so on the show, we're talking Batman: Long Halloween. Uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Travis. This is the second. Uh, book by these two gentlemen that we've done uh we did bat or not batman we did spider-man, spider-man. blue yeah spider-man blue uh with uh jeff Loeb and tim sale and so we've decided you know it's it's halloween and what better book to read than a book that is really not a whole lot about halloween just called halloween yeah and so let me and, I, we, <laughs> and we got dan on here because dan is uh, a big batman fan he reads dan's uh, been reading comic comics since he was a kid but in particular, he's always had like a – every time I talk to him and we talk comics, we inevitably talk Batman and like the Batman stories that we've read. And it's one of those things. We've talked about this on several podcasts at Comic Exposure where there are classic stories that you hear about over and over again that always come up that are always referenced uh, against other stories. Um, and Long Halloween is one of them. And Long Halloween is something that is – Always on sale at any Barnes and Noble you go to. It's any. It's been there since 1996. The trade and it's always there. It's always in stock. Um, and it's one that I've always like, like passed by and been like, I should really read that. Everyone talks about that, but just years and years went by and never did. And so I'm finally in like October. Let's do Long Halloween. So that's that's. I know that we normally pick a new newer trade or a newer graphic novel, but I think that this is a seminal work in the Batman lore, um, and so I'm really excited to talk about does this hold up to the hype that people talk about 
long Halloween? I, th- I think that's I think that's a good question. I think that's a, a, a good place. So, uh, Dan, if I may, so, if I may, yeah. can I ask when that when is that Spider Man Blue? Is that like two thousand? What's the copyright on that? That's a I'm good trying question. To piece it to you because I, I asked because I get this series mixed up. I bought there's Long Halloween. I had that digitally, but when you asked me to do this, I was like, I just bought it, and what I had just bought was. The third segment that actually I think is third to me, but the first one of these guys, um, and I was just looking for it and I couldn't find it. What is they published three titles that are now trade bound in Legends of the Dark Knight that series? I don't know if you remember that. That was like the third series that printed off, like off site, like Batman Tales in the nineteen nineties. They started there, and then the Long Halloween was a prestige format. And I bring this up because I think it influences the writing. I think there's 13 episodes or 13 issues. comics, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 13 different issues. And then Which the was... Dark Victory, I thought was overrated, I think is the third and final segment. Yeah, Dark Victory, and I believe that was coinciding with uh, Catwoman Rome. Like they were... This team was uh-huh. writing that and Catwoman Rome at the same time. Based on my yeah. research. It is very, it is, it is, it does play very episodic. So here, here's my question, Dan, as a Batman guy, and I think this is a good way to start the podcast today. I think this is a good way to start the, the discussion today. What type of Batman are you looking for in a comic book? What's your, what is your Batman like? If so, you could like... What the je ne sais quoi of your Batman? So Dan, what do you look for in your Batman? In a Batman, <laughs> what do you look? What do you look for when you're when you're looking at Batman? Okay, so that's uh, it's a, colored by what I've been teaching this week, which is Edgar Allan Poe. So okay. I think it's a it's a mystery mixed with gothic overtones. It's um mixed with a sh- it's Superman Part Two. You know, like all the good parts of Superman mixed with like uh, none of like, but more earnest and more grounded in reality. You know, like if I I really to me, Batman and I get mad at the writers lately. They're always trying to kill off Batman is Bruce Wayne and Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne is Batman. And Dick Grayson does a good job at being Batman, but I get really mad when they're always trying to kill Batman. I, so those things mixed with mystery, the purloined letter, yeah, um, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, like, that's what I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Like you, you, you like that. You like the detectiveness and the gothicness of Batman, and you know, I, 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 you see that from time to time in Batman stories, uh, but at the same time, there is that superhero side of Batman. Um, you know, the gym, like. Built- yeah, the Jim Lee Batman, you know, where it's like we're gonna go up against the 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 mighty villains and like uh, out of this world uh, conflicts. And you're saying you like more of a boutique Batman, a more of a. I like one criticism I once read about Batman comics is there's not a lot of words anymore. It's always splash pages, and you turn this page and there's a splash page. Like, one little bubble of Batman comic. One reason I was able to read it last night is it, it took me, like, not even two hours to read 350 pages, right? So, like, there's there's a lot of splash pages. It's a lot of imagery. Batman, to me, is a good chunk of it is imagery. And hence his rogues gallery. If we're going to ask what Batman is, I, I think one reason he's such a great hero is he's so easy to write and create bad guys for. They're, they're never stopping creating bad guys for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that that plays a big part of it. So, Travis, if you could boil your Batman down, what's your Batman, buddy? Uh, can I tell you something, guys? My Batman yeah. is the Batman in Long Halloween. I don't put my cards That's on the table Batman. right now. This oh. is my favorite Batman story that I have ever read, encountered in television, in animation, and on the page. I was I read this on the plane to Japan, and I said, holy shit, this is the Batman I've been missing in my life. Why am I only reading this now? Why and then it was one of those things where you read the this book and then every other version of Batman all of a sudden makes sense. It's all because everyone. It seems like everyone since this is using a little bit of 
Uh, Jeff Loeb is him sales Batman. Yeah, I, I yeah, I see that. Josh, you can. I can come back later because I just have things to say about what Travis said. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Go run. You know where you see it is this Batman's willing to bend rules, like you know, going back to Thomas working on the gangster in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and I lost so many Batmans, particularly after Frank Miller. Frank Miller called it Bat God. Like he's always four steps ahead. Uh, he's infallible. He's, there's a line I'm not going to break it ever. This guy like peeks over every now and then. This Batman, and then you see it where I saw the seed from 1996 that's influenced all Batman since. Is uh, you don't get the Rogues Gallery without Batman. There's a certain point in the n- narrative where they're like, this place has doubled since you've been here, and that has yeah. been woven into the story a bunch since then. Yeah, the idea yeah, like of Batman the creates cause. the problem. Yeah, yeah, that uh, reaction to his being in Gotham versus the other way around, which is how he likes to see himself. What about you? Yeah, what he's... about you, Josh? What about what, what's what's your Batman? Yeah, um, I do. So my Batman is a detective. He's got long, pointy ears, right? You like uh, long, pointy, a strong like torso. <laughs> Actually, you know what? <laughs> if uh, we'll get into that, we'll get into that later. This dude's got the right Batman costume. The Batman mm-hmm. in here has the best Batman costume. Agreed. The gray, the blue, the big ears. That's that's right. You know the remember you were talking uh Dan the um the is it was it Arkham something? I don't remember what it was. It was back in the back in the 90s. We talked about it before Travis. They had like the longest ears ever. Remember like the painted covers and they they look like like Stephen King novel covers, but the ears the are like the longest. Had the big ears. Yeah, I can those, find those covers those from there. Gi- if you want. Those giant ears. Those I love that Batman. And it's probably just because that's what I remember. And I remember like some of the issues were Bane, like those Bane issues with those giant ears. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's my Batman. That's my Batman. Is is the broken Batman? That's my uh, Batman. And I, I like I like the I like the detective Batman where he has to do. He's just not gonna like. He's not automatically gonna find what he needs. Like he has to. He has to like wear the shoe leather down or the the boot leather down, if you will, to like get the criminal. And I think as we're gonna talk about this book, Travis, I agree with you. I, I think this does that that sort of like shoe leather gumshoe Batman really well. That he's got to rough up some people. He's he can't find the answer right away, and you get to see him work through it for. 13 issues this big giant 350 page story uh and that is something i love i I love the detective aspect of batman that he has to go find something uh but he's still a scary dude who can beat the crap out of people you know what i mean like he still has that he's not just a detective he needs to be more than that to combat the crazy in gotham and i i think this book does a really good job of that Okay, so it sounds like we're, it sounds like there is some enjoyment of this book. Dan, didn't you didn't show you haven't shown your cards as far as the story is concerned yet? But you do you did talk about the idea that you know this is an important work as far as what people are pulling you know, from it. I I can't wrap my hand around it. You can see that it was uh, even in the I think when writers write comics today. And I'm speaking mainly about Batman because I had just done like a 2014 run on on my phone. I read 2014's Batman, like the new 52 Batman. Yeah, yeah. I picked up like 12 issues of Detective, and there was three arcs in there. One was Anarchy, one was a miscellaneous one, and one is uh, I can't think of it, but it was a a, a, like a, a lesser known character. And I don't think they write month to month as much as they did back in the 90s every chapter started the same way this is falcone uh this is the boss he's second in command he starts every chapter that way because i think it's much more serialized 20 years ago than it is now Uh, the writing really what i saw it as a warm-up for hush hush with with jeff loeb the writer is he i've actually heard him say it it was he would ask Jim Lee, "Who do you want in the comic this month?" And we'll write to that, and w- knowing where the end's going to be. And you saw a little bit of that with every episode had its uh, new character, well, uh, and I, I saw that as being very influential. 
Well, they talked about um, in the backstory of this book, how this book got created, it really is the, the takeoff of year one. They say this this follows up year one. You need to read it's it as, as a follow-up to it. Um, and it was... Uh, yes. Um, um, uh, Jeff Loeb Take going to Millar yeah. and, and being like, um, oh, I, I, I want to work in this world. What would you suggest as a continuation? And Lara apparently said you should do something about Harvey Dent's backstory, Two Two Faces backstory, and then that became Long Halloween. And I like that we, you know, as we talked about our ingredients to our perfect Batman stew. And I agree. I love the Edgar Allan Poe and the gothicness, right? Uh, I love the the street street level gumshoe Batman, but I also love a um, a, a Batman who is oh, how, how do I say this? Is, yoked. Yeah, he's yoked. <laughs> um, but that that is beginning. That's making mistakes still, and still trying yeah. to find. It, it, it isn't that bat god as you as you were talking about earlier, Dan. He's still fallible. He's still learning things, and he's still unsure of himself. And at this point, he's not the isolated hero. There's still much more of a uh, a willingness to reach out, be a part of the team. If there is one corny part in the story, it's the rooftop scenes where they're basically all putting their hands in. Jim Gordon, Harvey Dent, and uh, Batman are yeah. like, "Go team!" <laughs> I, I think, a- but like, Go ahead. I, I kind of like that aspect of it. I like that idea that like you because. And, and the, I mean, it's essentially a mystery, right? Like you can if you've never heard anything about Long Halloween, it works as a it works as a decent mystery the way through it. I mean, you can you get a pretty good idea. You think you know who it is and then you're kind of seeing it happen. But I kind of like that aspect of, of like even though uh, spoiler, I mean, I mean, this is the, this is Harvey Dent turning to Two-Face. You get to see that Dent wants the good right he wants to do the right thing he wants to work with batman but at the same time he sees himself doing what batman's doing right like mm-hmm. it's not i'm not doing anything wrong i'm i'm doing what batman's doing i'm going above and beyond right like batman's above the law what i'm going to do is above the law but this whole idea that they're like coming together to clean up gotham and they're each they each take a totally different path and i think that's the I think that's the coolest part about this story is you see you see Batman's path, you see Harvey Dent's path to try to clean up Gotham, and you see uh, you see Gordon's path. Oh, right? I, I like, agree with you. It's the crux of the story. Yeah, I just thought that wrong. the shot of them all on the roof standing there, the, the actual seeing them all three. Yeah. You're right. Without that whole this whole story hinges on that that team coming together. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. it does. It, like it plays all the way to the end. Because there's that super telling scene where he's like, do you think he did it? And that Batman challenges back. Are you ready to think that he did? And it really enriches the relationship between Jim and Batman. Yeah. Because there's something missing now that was once there at the beginning. And you get a sense and that all the Batmans that you read after this, if this is an early year Batman, you, you feel like almost every relationship with Jim Gordon is a reaction from this this one storyline, like how they deal with each other, if they're standoffish Colored, or not. Right, like, right. It's almost like, remember that time we tried to work together real closely and even brought someone else in? Look how that turned out. It's almost like this storyline colors the relationship. And so this isn't, this is, I can't believe Dan said this is 20 years old, and you're right, goddammit, I can't believe this is a 20-year-old <laughs> book. Um, but it, there are many, many, many Batman stories before it. And I think Jeff Loeb does a good job of taking the essence of a lot of those relationships, especially between Harvey Dent and especially with Jim Gordon, and kind of building a very foundational backstory that it makes sense with all the pieces we had known from the previous 40 years of Batman stories. Like he, he's able to, to take 40 years of storytelling and tie a ribbon around it and be like, this is kind of why those relationships are why they're like that. Because of this one year. Yeah. I've never had empathy for Harvey Dent the way I did. And um, his wife. And we should we can save who do we think did it until whenever you guys want to talk about it. talk about, about it, whenever. Like, it's a 20-year-old book. <laughs> okay. So, like, like, well, that's where I see it influencing modern Batman to this day. And uh, 
the the two latest Batman films is you can't trust anybody. That's a yeah. revel, that's a common theme in most Batman today is that everybody can turn at any moment. And even when you get to the end, you're not really quite sure you know who did it. Like here at the end, we have three possible killers: Dent, Alfredo, or is it Alberto, and then Dent's wife. And like all three of them are claiming they did it, or not. I or not. Maybe I'm misreading it. Like I, no, I, I, I wanted some clarification on that. I think you've got all three of them doing it. And all of them, because none of them know who it is, that they all add to what is Calendar Man, right? They all kind of, or not Calendar Man, but but they all kind of add to, holiday. yeah, the holiday killer, right? They're all part of it. Um, and I think that that's kind of the, that this thing takes on a life of its own almost, right? Like this holiday takes a life of its own, that uh, it, it wraps other people into it who may not have otherwise been in there, Right. And I think that's also one of the things that, that I love in a Batman story is when when the when what's happening isn't just one person, but Batman like part of being a detective is trying to figure out, okay, it's not just one guy. It's that, that Red Hood gang thing, right? You don't know who they are in the Red Hood gang. And I think that this is almost that say it plays with that same sort of idea, right? Like who are you know, who is this person and can it be more than one person? I think that that adds to the mystery of it. Yeah. Batman writers have always uh, exactly right. Batman writers have always played with the idea of symbolism, right? The red hood is a symbol. The bat Batman is a symbol. How many times has Batman been out of commission and someone else takes up the mantle, the symbol holiday killer is a symbol. Uh, all these Batman stories, the writers who attack it, they're like, it's all about symbolism. These aren't characters. These are symbols for things. Symbols for justice. Symbols for darkness. Symbols for revenge. And that's something you see a lot in Batman stories as well, is playing with that idea of, what is what is this a symbol for, right? And who created this? You know, like, as Dan was saying earlier, um, if there was no Batman, would there be no villains, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about let's, okay. Let's talk about the villains so we can kind of s- structure this uh, conversation. Uh, here's a question for you, Dan. Uh, you you hinted at it earlier. Have you ever really liked the character Toothface as a villain? Has he and any of the Batman stories you have you re- read up to this point? Has has Two Face even been your top five Batman villains? No, probably not. Uh, he was accessible because he's always been around. And he's so much part of the lore. Uh, but I would not put him in my top five. I do like I, Penguin's in my top five. I've always liked Penguin and Joker's in there. I think I, but I've always, I've never dissed him though. Cause he's always so much part of, he's, you know, he's so much part of the lore. But I never really felt for him the way I did in this. Particularly in, not in the movies, not in. Uh, Are you telling me not, uh, Tommy Lee Jones didn't didn't sell you on Two Face? I was gonna make fun of that because that's just he's just ripping off Jack Nicholson, yeah. right? Yeah, it, yeah. Right? That's all it is is a continuation of that. I did like Jim Carrey's Riddler. I thought that that was better than most people gave him credit you put, for. Yeah. You put Riddler in your top yeah. five. I think oh, Riddler's the. Question. I think Riddler's the best. Oh. I think Riddler's a great foe because he challenges Batman's detective skills. I think that's the I, best part about Riddler. I do like the Riddler in Gotham. I, you know, I, uh, I'm an unabashed Gotham fan. I, I'm now getting through the second season on Netflix. I don't watch it in real time, but I've only I only <laughs> watched the first couple episodes. I like it's starting that. to be. I watch a TV it, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't watch it in real time. So, <laughs> uh, no. But I just because of the commercials, I can't like. No, no. I totally. I, I, totally I got to tell you. You know what? It was weird. It was a weird experience that I have as a Batman reader when I read their comics. I'm often guilty of towards the end. I'll slow down because I don't want it to end. And like, uh, and I, I sometimes will because I slow it down. When I do get to the end, I forget all the intricacies of the narrative and then reading it front to cover cover to cover yesterday it was interesting to to get it in one snapshot and like i did it on the plane on my trip with those detectives it's better read that way so in much the same way i've just been crushing out shows like that if you go from september to may on a tv show i can't, i don't know how you remember anything 
you know, it's like tough. Um, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me let me ask as the villains that pop up in here, Travis. Uh, Go ahead. What's your what's Travis? What's your favorite villain appearance in in the Long Halloween? Who's your Who's your villain de jour? I mean, it's cliche, um, you know, but I love the Joker in this. I love the Joker in He's this. He's a great I mean, Joker. Yeah, and it's just I love maybe I think there are there's like there's there's kind of fun ways they play with villains. I thought the Riddler was really fun, just like the short times he popped in here. But as far as I think. I love the way Sale is drawing the Joker in this, uh, and when you when he when he comes on the page, like he just takes up the page. Just the way he's drawn in this, you're like, that's the Joker. And especially like the 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 Hallow- the Christmas the Christmas time, you got to play with the the Grinch aspects in the drawing of him. He's almost a Grinch like Joker, and that was really kind of fun to see. And in a book that's very dark, the coloring. When the Joker comes in here, all of a sudden, Pops. like it starts to pop. You just like you turn those pages. It's like one issue is like almost the whole Joker thing. Um, and then the uh, and then a second, I might be taking all the villains. Uh, I'll, can I tell you the one that I that I felt was forced in? Sure. Can you guess? Can you guess? I don't know. I'm scared uh, you're gonna be the one. You say the one I liked, Solomon Grundy. Oh, Poison Ivy. Oh, Solomon and Grundy was great. I feel like the Poison Ivy thing was I, was forced. forced in there. Well, I think like the goal is to get as many of those villains in, and I think you're right. But you know whose character design I like the most? Uh, Poison Ivy's. Yeah, she. I like. I, although she's, although she's forced, I think that's the one that works the best with with Sales' art style. For like for whatever reason, there's something because he has this very bizarre thing, and I. I really like that. I like that part. I, even though, even though it might feel a little forced, why she's there, I like the scene of like Catwoman, like him go, like Bruce Wayne going after Catwoman. I like that part of it. I think that that's kind of a cool part. Yeah, the, the Catwoman stuff is is so key in this book. That relationship and it, it's it's done really well. Uh, I think on there now. Um, so uh, Poison Ivy, yeah, I, the character design is great. And I, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Josh, about um, uh, how Jeff Loeb uh, was writing for Jim Lee. Like, what villain? What do you want in it this week? Like, what can I put in for you? Like, yeah. you know. Um, so, Dan, you said yeah. Solomon Grundy, which I really like. So- when you asked what, which one I thought was forced, I thought that that was forced. But I kind of liked it because you don't, you didn't see him in Hush. You know, you think that this is '96 and in, in 2003 they're going to do Hush. Right with basically the same recipe, but with Jim Lee the artist. Sales work I go back and forth on. I grew to love it when I first read this, and now and then this time around I was like going back to what did I love about this? I once heard a criticism of Tim Sales Superman was like a thumb with a nose, you know, and you <laughs> see those big blocky things. His writing. Yeah, no, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I think, uh, so Dan, what, what villain do you think had the best character design? Which, which one, you said you kind of like Solomon Grundy, uh, what, what, which one do you think had the best? I like this character, the, the design, I'd probably go with the, the Joker, and then the Scarecrow, I like the actual Scarecrow, that's so 90s. It it is super, it is super 90s. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But you were talking about uh, you were talking about you started talking about um, <clears throat> Tim Sale's art, and that is the reason that I didn't pick this up. I've almost bought this book so many times in the last twelve years of my life. I and I pick it up and I'm like, it's a big book, and the cover price is you know twenty four ninety nine, so it's not like your twelve dollar trade or your fourteen dollar trade. So it is it is a pri- a pricier trade. So you pick it up and I I I've, I've held it. I've probably taken it to the cash register and then dumped it, you know, by the re- the register so <laughs> many times cuz sure. if you make me wait at the gum, I'm going to flip through the book and there's something up until doing this podcast where I couldn't appreciate this kind of art. I always liked my Batman kind of DC style, house style, you know, uh, a Jim Lee Batman or, you know, uh, Capullo, I like. I like the 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 muscular, big looks like you know WWF wrestler Batman. And I look through this, I'm like, these 
everything is boxy, like you said, you know, and I'm like, I don't, uh, no, I'm not going to pick this up. But now I picked it up, and I can't, it's hard for me to picture Batman in different ways now. This, even, I went from this art being something that turned me off to, like, one of my favorite renderings of Batman and his villains in here. So I, I'm with you. I have, a torn, I have a torn relationship with Tim Sale. I feel so bad for neglecting him so many years. I wonder if that's why I've never read Spider-Man Blue. You or, I, I think, I think, and I, I agree with you. So here's, here's my point. And so Spider-Man Blue, I want, I want to pull in on that really quick. I think that Tim Sale's art worked better on Spider-Man than it did in, on Batman. I it like when it the Spider-Man version of it it felt like old timey and so uh, for for me because that was supposed to be like it's a, it was kind of like a flashback Spider-Man story it felt old and so I liked that and there's parts in here where I just I, there are parts in here where Tim Sale really worked and then there were parts in here where I just I it was just too clunky at spots but I like. I can appreciate it, but there were parts of it where it was just too chunky, too boxy. The shadows were too. Uh, you know where I saw that the most, Josh. You know where I saw that the most, Josh, was Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Catwoman plays really weirdly. She's such an important character in the story, but I can't wrap my hand around his, uh, my mind around his art on her. Her ears are um, really—they look like mouse ears. Yeah, she looks yeah, like I, mouse girl. I think that that's probably, that's probably the worst. I was gonna say I think that's the the worst character. Is like the characters that I'm that I don't like uh, is that one. And you guys are both gonna. You guys both talked about how you like the Joker. I hate the Joker's teeth. I hate them so much in this. So oh, much the fangs, like the the boxy, like uh, he has like a, Max Prime. He has a thousand. He has a thousand teeth. Like literally a thousand teeth. <laughs> Well, I think that's like he the does, Grinch yeah. aspect to it. It's like it's like um the he's the most monster like of all the characters. I, I know, I know. But you know what? I love his, I love his Batman. I love his Batman. I love the ears. I love the how the cape is all like sort of like um it's not tattered at the end. It has that sort of you know that Batman look to it. But there's just something a little more um organic looking about the cape in here. If that even for how boxy his art can be. There's something really flowy about the way he does Batman's cape, and I love that. I do love the that. The same flow you see in his cape, you see in Poison Ivy's leaves. Yeah, uh, there's a, that organic feel you're mentioning. To it, yeah, but see, yeah. I I don't understand the idea of you know I, I I liked his art on Spider-Man Blue, and it, it Spider-Man Blue we talked about during the podcast has you're like what decade is this? It's kind of old, yeah. old Spider-Man, but this I thought. You know, you said it worked well for the flashback. This is like a young Batman. This is a young Gotham. It reminds me kind of more like the the animated kind of Art Deco uh, um, Gotham or the Gotham like you might see like in that first uh, Tim Burton uh, Batman. It's it's got like almost like old cars and the fact that it's a mafia story and we always think of the Italian mafia as being more like old school. I thought like yeah. the I thought just like. It worked in Spider-Man for bringing you back in time. I thought it kind of gave Gotham his art style, especially his backgrounds, uh, gave it a real kind of dated look. Like it's definitely, even though this is 1996, it's still I can I read this book today and if, I feel like this is something that he captures that that year one aspect of Batman really well. In his art, yeah, I I think you're right. It does harken back. It definitely he has this style. that's kind of I mean it 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 looks almost it's like a a modern twist on old school comic booking. You know what I mean? If that makes sense at all, it probably doesn't. But 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 no, it, it does. does. You know, it's kind of this throwback style, but it has this sort of modern twist to it. Um, I I thought the flashback stuff, and I think the reason I like the flashback stuff is I think his his stuff works really well in black and white in this one. I think well, and it, might be, Go ahead. it might be the coloring that the coloring might bug me a little bit. That I just looked up the coloring uh-huh. is Gregory Wright. And there's nobody on inks. It just says colors. Cause yeah. the, I, the colors you can buy this in noir. Now you can buy this title yeah, in I black and noir, white. Yeah. And, um, that might be interesting. 
Because the I feel I was going to say the inker deserves a lot of credit because Batman I did like how Batman's always in the shadows in this story, yeah. and particularly on the rooftops, and so like it, that was a cool Batman, and then his flowing like '90s like organic cape that you know I feel like I've doodled that that cape sometimes in my life yeah. Yeah. or at that time in my life, and. Um, I feel like the colorist did a good job with the shading, but you know where the shading came in is in the black and whites where the mementos, like the the yeah. box of chocolate, the 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 tinsel from the New Year's Eve, the clues. Yeah. At, at I mean, first, I, I thought it was a, good. No, I said I think that's I think th- those are the parts that I like the most. I think are those those kind of shadowy parts are good, but then there's just sometimes where people just look just a little too off like muggy like the box. Like their face is like like a, they're like mugs they're not faces yeah like the real idea yeah. of the word mug like sometimes the 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 um the gangsters faces were interchangeable you're like is that or even or like selena kyle like selena kyle looks so different when she's out of the catwoman costume yeah. like is that selena and i'm not really finding her attractive in this so why would bruce wayne <laughs> get anybody um, you know you know who he does the best on though that that two face, that half of his face is perfect. That's oh, good stuff. Yeah. It is like there's like it looks like ground beef, and like there's like little chunks of it hanging off, and there's just I. That's probably if I could get like one of these, like if I could get a actual piece from this, an actual original art piece from it, it'd be one of those two face pictures where there's this sort of like gnarly gnarly thing all over it and i think it's at the end when they're back on the rooftop together i'm looking at it right now yeah yeah they're back yeah, on the batman basically together. go ahead sit, Rock. Sit. And, and they're like they're like looking up at the cameras or you know the angles looking up to them and you've got like that totally gnarly face and then all batman all in shadows and then the stash of uh, of gordon it's this perfect sort of like image of the three of them i, I that's 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 such a cool like and then on the next page, you've got two wonderful-looking panels of Harvey Dent's mangled Two-Face face. No, that's I think that's a beautiful shot. Yeah, I think that's one of the. I think that's one of the characters. I think he does the best on, and 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 it, and it works wonderfully because that's you know the the crux of this whole story, or that the point of this whole story is is the creation of of Harvey Dent as Two Face, or the you know the fall of Harvey Dent, or however you want to put it. Yeah, it really is that his story, huh? Yeah, yeah. No one's mentioned Calendar Man up until this point. Oh yeah, apparently, gonna, apparently, I've been ready to. Yeah, apparently, Cal- Calendar Man up until this point in '96 hadn't been used in like decades. Uh, and now I just saw him in those uh, the Rebirth. He was in that first one of those Batman uh, first episode re- Rebirth Zero issues, right, Josh? Is that right? Was he Calendar Man? Remember, like he was like cutting the tree. He was putting like uh, clocks. Or the cow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that very first. It was the first episode. The first issue it was the. It was the. Um, the rebirth issue. And I was like, "Who's? I don't really know Calendar Man." And then, like a month later, I'm reading this. I'm like, "Calendar Man is apparently very popular in the Batman universe." <laughs> yeah, I feel really. like he he got screwed in this, right? So are you telling me he was in prison the whole time, and then he goes, "It was she," and then he he wasn't even, like. <laughs> calendar man needs to step up his game no wonder someone's <laughs> out doing you like, like you're way off yeah calendar plays, man he... wants to be important like i'm important too guys <laughs> and you're like what is I'm your power so what is your power you, you just That's know a saying, lot of facts hannibal lecter yeah <laughs> he is hannibal lecter in this and it's i i think that those kind of scenes are cool yeah i i think it's cool to always have i like i think it's cool to have batman go to Arkham or go to prison and like try to beat down one of the you know one of his old foes there to get information. I kind of like that aspect of him like going and seeking out help from someone who like but you're right. Who that, help that has shown up a bunch and like the, that that opening sequence of the Killing Joke when you first read it is just so important. Like Batman's gonna make the first step. He's gonna go see the Joker. And that's why the betrayal when he realizes that's not him is so bad in the killing joke. It's like 
Joker got out already. Batman made it, gave an olive branch. You're right. It is nice seeing him walk. And it's always the same image, him and uh, mustachioed uh, Jim Gordon walking through the halls. There, yeah, yeah. It's so cliche. Like, there's not a Batman book out there that doesn't have the the, the walking through the uh, uh, Arkham and you see like, the windows of the doors, or you'll just see like uh, uh, Harley Quinn, and you know, and like it's it's like used everywhere. You know, I love it. It's so like comforting to see that I walk down the halls. I I spend like more money a year on bat. It's like my bubble gum, right? I, I read a little Batman probably once a day before bed, and like <laughs> it's the same story, just chewed over so many times. Yeah, I, I like I, like a drunk Dan. You just gotta tuck him in with some Batman. It's okay, buddy. I got you. He's like, <laughs> right, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't get to read Batman. Okay, I'll read you some Batman, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, reading this makes me want to go back because I've been, you know, I, I dabbled in the new 52 uh, Snyder run of Batman. I'm reading, um, I'm, I'm totally on board with All-Star Batman right now, which is Snyder and uh, John Romita Jr. The- oh, man, yeah. it is fantastic. I, it makes This makes me want to go back and read Nightfall. And I don't, I like, it makes me want to go back and read, like, my Batman tale uh, from read, back when I was Nightfall. a kid. Yeah. I, I read it in 2012, I'm... the movie, and it holds up. Bane is a much different character than he's grown into being from 2000 yeah. to 1993 or whenever that was. Yeah, yeah. so like, I, it makes me want to go back and, and kind of read that story and kind of dig in uh, to the whole thing and to the whole, like, you know, Azrael and all that junk, too. But uh, I thought this was, this was a super fun read. I mean, the story... This, I really like the structure because we talk about like comics are so serial. And Dan, you said this earlier, like you can really tell that this is a this wasn't written for trade. Like everything feels like it's written for trade now. It really it really and does. They, this is in the time frame where they had to get you keep coming back every month. So, yeah. you know, like I, I'm guilty of it when I teach. I'll say things like comic books and soap operas are written the same way. And their first job is to get you to come back. They never finish the story. Right. Yeah. So like you see that here is he's got a, he's got however many pages to get you back next month and get you back in the story after 30 days. So like, yeah, that's the, that's the person. thing. I, you're right. And I, I like that aspect where you kind of see him. He's recapping like and he there's always like a who the hell is this box? You know what I mean? Like, uh, right. And Marvel has it. Like, what's happened up till now? It has its own page. Right. And he's yeah. doing it in the captions. And I do. I love those little captions because they're almost like flippant about it, right? Like it starts off, you know, this is I'm looking at chapter eight and it starts off with like a serial killer. The newspaper is called uh, newspapers call holidays at large murders that coincide. And so you get like this whole this whole piece of it, not eating up a page because there's still dialogue going on. But you've got this little chunk of it every couple, you know, every issue and there's something like. Um, symmetrical about the story that it does that every time and that you know there's there's that memento and then it you know it's a monthly it's a monthly story so it literally takes place like what holidays this month that's the murder and there's like it's a fantastic like serialized story because it literally goes each issue is for that month Batman's literally been struggling for a year to catch this guy. And if if you read this serially, you'd be struggling with him for an actual, like, year. Yeah. Like, this book takes place over a year, literally every, I hadn't every, every of it issue. like that. And it's Imagine really having cool read thing. this. Yeah. Guys. Imagine I mean, having read this, and then you get to that last panel where she's throwing things in the furnace. I yeah. believe in Harvey Dent. We're you're. I think we're skipping over the fact that I started this podcast off with saying, "God, this is my favorite Batman story." Like I know you guys are like yeah. <laughs> I, at the end here, you're like, "Yeah, I liked it. I think it's good." And so I like got this is my favorite Batman, guys. I why is love your favorite Batman. Batman? So tell me why. One, your of, one Batman. of the things that we hadn't talked about, and you nailed it, was that the brilliance of that serial over a year. Like I was reading this, and I'm like, "Oh, that came to me like." Right away, I'm like, this is a calendar story, and this would have taken place over a whole year. But more importantly than that, here's why it's my favorite Batman. This, these 13 issues, 
The patience of the mystery is something you just don't get very much in comics. We don't give these creative teams enough time to just let a story breathe. If there is going to be a mystery in a comic book, it's usually resolved in four issues, and you don't get the sense of going through the characters, that building of a good mystery, that Edgar Allan Poe kind of uh, um, twists and turns. And even when even when you kind of know where the story is going, that's more just from um, the story being 20 years old and you hearing pieces of things and knowing a little bit about Harvey Dent's backstory – but I think the patience in letting this mystery breathe is one thing I think it's amazing. Two, it still gives you that Batman because the way he draws Batman, it's like a badass Batman where everything else might be a little bit boxy or maybe a little bit dated as we said. The Batman, you can pull the Batman off the page and put him on any poster in any kid's room and it's going to make you want to go lift weights and fuck shit up Batman. So you have this adult <laughs> you have this adult mystery, you have this adult mystery which is like, oh, very Edgar Allan Poe and keeps you involved, but then you still have that that kid aspect of Batman where you're like this Batman is badass. You know, this Batman looks like he could fuck shit up here. And, like, that's – I love how it's adult, but it still makes me be like, oh, no, this is a Batman story. And I read Batman because Batman is cool as shit, you know. Uh, and I love <laughs> I love how he blends this. And we also get to see all the villains. He brings in all the best villains. Now, granted, I agree with you that, like, Catwoman – not my favorite in here, but even that I I forgive it because he's doing so many things well in here. So when I read I a Batman I, story, this <laughs> helped me define the Batman I like. I didn't know the Batman that I wanted until Tim Sale and uh, Jeff Load gave it to me. I was like, I don't know what I want, and they're like, Here is what you need. Here's what you need. You, you know, know I don't see... think. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Dan. It's fine. Uh, I thought the Catwoman. I thought she was so well written that I refused to believe she had anything to do with protecting Marone, the Roman until she finally said, no, I'm, I'm not going to tell you why I'm here. You know, like, I'm here just to see you. Like, the first three th- times, I, you know, it was like, he's right. She does keep showing up when he's going to fuck some shit up and fuck him <laughs> up. She must have been hired by him, you know? Like, I thought it was really clever where they even juked out the audience there. They juked yeah. me out on it. Yeah, you know what, I, I totally, I didn't like her design, but I think that she's kind of a really interesting part of the story. I, I think that, you know, there's this, um, her design's goofy looking, but I like that relationship between her, between her and Batman in here. I like how she ends up kind of, she's the one who saves, you know, Bruce Wayne from uh, Poison oh. Ivy. You know, I, I I kind of like that those little you know aspects here and there of it. I, I kind of like how she shows up and how she's kind of like the through line, right? Like the the villain. Yeah, through it that's well said. With them from the beginning um, to the end. Yeah, and and I think that those. Are, I mean, you, you've got you know dents there the whole time, but but I think that you know she's kind of like along for the, she's she's there with him. She's on the ride with him through all this um, from the beginning to the end. And she's like, seriously, she's just got his back the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, he thinks that she's well, there to do bad things, but she's really there just to keep an eye on him. She's a ride or die chick. Well, Bruce, Wayne, Bruce Wayne's so flawed in this version, you know? Like, he that's where it makes him... He, he gets screwed up not once but twice with po- Poison Ivy and then Scarecrow, right? He runs from the yeah. cop. So yeah. he actually... Bruce Wayne actually goes on trial... And then there's that great line. There's that great exchange between the butler and Dent, uh, the Alfred, right? And yeah. Batman to me is also Alfred. Alfred's pretty important to Batman. And uh, he he goes, tell me, did he have anybody to do with anything to do? And then Jim Gordon's like squeezing his temple. You know, I thought that was a great panel when Alfred just like fucking shuts down Dent, and then Alfred shuts down Dent again in in court. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool aspect to the story. I do like the idea of, like, you're you're hearkening back to, you're, like, questioning. There's this part about, uh, you know, uh, Batman's dad being tied to the crime family. And you're, like, and part of you goes, like, oh, no. Like, the, you, uh-huh. like part of me gets mad that they're going to make his dad bad. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of, like, angry. I'm, like, no, Batman's. Don't tie Batman to the bad stuff because don't make his dad bad. 
Uh, but it ends up being, you know, it ends up being uh, just him, you know, working with like just it's his dad had to. His dad was forced to help because he's a good doctor. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was a great scene. He goes, uh, he would have done it for anybody. Alfred says he would have done it for anybody who would come to the door. Yeah. And that's a great scene. And there's all, and also there's 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 something about uh uh the Batman I, I love those relationships and there's something about the Batman Dent relationship we talked about earlier where you where you're talking about uh, uh Bruce's father would have done that for anyone Batman has always been had a special place in his heart for Harvey Dent he just can't accept the fact that he can't be turned good again uh you see this even in the um uh Dark Knight, right? Uh, Dark yeah. Knight Returns, where he's trying to like, ah, oh, Harvey's out. Like, I think he's gonna make it this time, you know. Like, he's always rooting for Harvey Dent. He's always rooting for Two Face. Other villains, he slaps them around. He's like, I gotta put you in, you know, Arkham again. But Harvey, he there's always this like, come back, come back to the light, Harvey. Harvey is a Two Face is a character where you know you have that. He always has some hope that he can. Uh, rehabilitate, real, excuse me, <clears throat> rehabilitate Harvey into being a good person because a good Harvey is good for Gotham, right? And Batman knows yeah. that. Right. Well, Batman's I, I, mission. Yeah, and I think you also see the same thing that like they're they like in this one for sure they essentially have the same mission, right? Like this dichotomy between Two Face or between Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne, how both of them are trying to, they both want to make, I mean, in the end, Two-Face continues to become evil. Like, if you go through and look and you read other Two-Face stories and Harvey Dent isn't, you know, the DA trying to clean up Gotham the wrong way anymore. But in this in this story, he is. This is his way of cleaning up Gotham before he gets, you know, splashed with the acid. You know, like, he wants the same thing that Batman does or that Bruce Wayne does. They essentially are like two guys who want what's best for for Gotham, but they're both doing it in different ways. Like Batman, it goes above the law, but he's not going to kill anybody or, you know, um, his goal is to bring them to justice. And Harvey and it, like they both have a view that the police can't get it done, but they want to take care of it in two different ways. And I I think that's why Batman wants Harvey Dent to be good because he wants Batman wants to see what he's doing as good even though it runs parallel to to what Two-Face does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and that he would have somebody on the other side of the law who actually did it legitimately could put him in cuz Batman doesn't kill, right? So ultimately yeah. Batman wants these guys to go to jail. And yeah. he needs a district attorney to put him in jail. And that's where their partnership was so cool. Yeah. Um, you think about, to the writing about, like, if this is a 13-month serial comic, all those little hints of, you would have to wait for 13 months to think, is Dent guilty of this? He brought home evidence? He did what? And then there's the lines where Gordon has to snap at him. He goes, he goes they got what they deserved, huh? And he's like, no, they deserve a court day in court, Harvey, right? And you don't know if he's just speaking euphemistically or, like, does he really think, like, they got what they deserve? And that's yeah. really cool how he wrote those. It's like one line here or there and, like, every other episode until you finally realize, no, this dude's going to turn. He's just – the acid is almost, like – necessary to turn this person into who he really thinks right this other side of him yeah uh, you know you know what i have always liked two faces when i teach or i used to teach uh dr jekyll and mr hyde i'm convinced they took that character and made it in the two face right because oh, yeah. i didn't realize mr hyde is the bad guy dr jekyll is the good guy because he has to hide him the bad guy who he becomes and i think you see that in relationship a little in Dent. Because Dent wishes he could punch some fools in the face and shoot them. But he's got to go through this system of law and justice and juries to put yeah. bad guys away. 
I, Zach, guys, as we wind down here, I, I gotta, I gotta bring this up. This is normally when we talk a comic exposure, we talk about a trade. It's much more formatted. We'll, we'll discuss like what happened in the book and talk about the story. I love this conversation because this book was made for people who love comics to discuss comics. There's so much happening in this book, and because it's 13 issues, you get a long arc, and you get all the villains in there. You can really sit down here and geek out about for hours on this story. So as we as we wind down here, I, I, this is my Batman story. If someone asks, hey, uh, I want to read Batman in the comics, what should I read first? I'm going to give them Long Halloween. What would you give them uh, over this? Or what would you give them? Or maybe you would give them this. So I know that I'm saying it's my favorite. What's your favorite? What's keeping this from being your favorite? What would you give to someone? Dan, I'll let so you, I, you go first. I couldn't probably give them my favorite. I've given my favorite out a bunch, and people, it's so dense they can't get through, uh, you know, The Dark Knight. Like that 1986 <laughs> Frank Miller you know how many people I've given that book to? You know how many people have actually read it? So, like, that, they're not the same number. Um, <laughs> this one—that's a—this is a good one. And then I would also give Jeff Loeb's uh, "Hush" because of Jim Lee's. Uh, is that how you pronounce his name, Loeb? Jeff, how yeah, do you Loeb. That uh, I would give "Hush" because it's so pretty. That's a good one. You yeah. know? And it's got Superman you, and, and a lot of the rose yeah. in it and stuff. You, you can really see that as, like, he took these ingredients here and made Hush, you know, and with uh, Jim Lee. This one is, I'm glad we talked about it, because it, it, it really did read like a movie yesterday, and I think that's a credit to him being a writer. And um, I, I before we, as we wind down... I, knowing comic exposure, I got a favorite panel or two to talk about. Do you still do favorite panels? <laughs> yeah, we oh, do. Yeah. We, we do do favorite that. panels. I get that. See, okay. we got, we got, we got so geeked out in it. I forgot the structure of the show. Thank you, guest, for reminding <laughs> too, us. Uh, <laughs> All right. So let's, I got some favorite. Pa- Go ahead. I, Travis, I think I'd agree with you. I think this is a great one to kind of hand out. Um, we we had the discussion about uh, Dark Knight, and I. Um, I don't like for me, it's just, I think you're right. It's super dense, Dan. And I think, I think it's hard to give to someone who doesn't know Batman, right? Like there's, there's a lot of background in there that you need to know. I, I think that, um, we just did, uh, the killing joke and I thought the killing joke was, it's a nice, quick, fast read. And so I, I think that's a good one. But I think that if, if someone wants to sit down and read a year's worth of Batman, like this is a prime way to get a full, complete Batman story, uh, and it's not like teased out to what comes next. You know what I mean? There's a clear beginning, middle, and end, and I think that this is a good one. It's it's got it's it's a nice paste. I think it's good. I think this would be a good one, a good one to give to someone, Travis. I think you're right. So favorite panels, gentlemen. Dan, as the guest, why don't you give us your favorite panel, buddy? You go first. Okay. Well. It, it, I got honorable mentions. I couldn't just pick a couple. I got some honorable mentions in there. I picked one um, where I think you can even see Capullo is taking a little something from this book. Because where is it? It's 249. Page 249, the middle panel with the Mad Hatter and um, Scarecrow on a horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. And it's just a silhouette, black and white. When Capullo does that in the New 52, he'll do like these little inked, super detailed cityscapes that are so clean. And I love them. And I, I love how clean that little silhouetted horse is. And what made me pick that one was there's it's it's got a famous twin with Batman and his Joker in the propeller airplane on page 188. Mm-hmm. on page 188 and i'm on a digital comic so i'm hoping they're the same pages and i think they are ours but are on numbered. page 188 yeah ours aren't numbered though that's, I know that, that's about, the pain <laughs> yeah uh in um where there's a little silhouette of batman's cape fluttering in the wind and the planes at a 90 degree angle and i think you can even still see uh the joker's smile as they're 
heading towards their their death. You know, the only it's one eighteen, not one eighty. Um, the, the only Batman cliche you didn't see in the story was Joker taking over TV station. Joker's always taking over a TV station in the mythos. <laughs> and that was the one thing you didn't see there. Here is. But instead, he was going to kill him in, uh, like, he, or that, or he's going to kill some festival. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that scene. And, you know, before we run out of time, I want to mention I like, I love the Riddler being punked a lot. You never see the Riddler being such a, like, a, like a tool, a scaredy cat, as he was here. And, it was fun to see that interpretation of the character. Yeah, I liked him too. I like that. I'm looking at that silhouette panel right now. It's really good. Josh, uh, I think I'm. Uh, you might have hinted at yours with the with earlier, but if not, I feel like I might have taken yours. So I'm gonna let you go first. All right. So I I do love that panel a lot, and I do love the I do love the uh, the Harvey Dent faces at the end there. But I'm gonna say my favorite panel, and I was talking about this before. Like one of the things that I really dig is how, um, like, although I don't love Tim Sale's art all the time in these 13 issues, there's one panel where he goes into Arkham, and uh, he is, it's his cape. And essentially, he's looking out the window. The Scarecrow has escaped. He goes into Scarecrow's room, or, like, he just saw the Scarecrow escaped, and he's looking out at the barred window, Batman is, and he's got this this giant long cape behind him that is, like, so way longer than it should be, right? That cape is, it, it is huge, but there's this this cool flow, and it's so 90s. Oh, it's yeah, so 90s it, Batman, because yeah. those bat ears are gigantic. The cape is this huge, like, it would be so terrible in a Spawn. fight. It's spawny. Yeah, and it, it's very spawny. And I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I like that one. Okay, good. I, you didn't take mine, but mine is for similar reason. Uh, mine is a half a page uh, bottom panel. It's right after the Joker kills that guy in the restaurant, and the thugs are taking out the body to the car, and they're like, man, Toots, you're really putting on weight. All the better to sink him with. It's all done in blues. It's snowing outside, and all of a sudden you just see Batman, boom, hit the hood of a car, and he's in that superhero landing pose, and he's just mean mugging mm-hmm. the dude, and the cigarettes falling out of his face, and it's just like hulking bad Batman, and I can hear the thud of, like on that, it's a cold winter night, and so everything's damp, and then you just hear on the car, boom, and you see just Batman just barreled down, his <laughs> cape still behind him, and he's just mean mugging the shit out of one of these, these uh, uh, henchmen. And I'm like, that's just like, you can have a great mystery, you can have great dialogue, but unless you get me some hulking Batman just mean mugging the hell out of some uh, um, you know, hired hand, then it's not a true Batman story. So I really like that, <laughs> that he's able to do it well. Um, I, I think if I had to go, if I, there was, if, um, I, I do love that. And, and just one last thing, and in the age of Netflix, in the age of Netflix, if there were ever a Batman Netflix series, right? You talk about Netflix, for whatever reason, they do 13 episodes. Those Marvel series are all 13 episodes. You want to talk about what would be a wonderfully serialized TV adaption. Yes. This would be perfect. Give it to me. Yeah, Give yeah. it to me now. I want. Perfect. I need this in my life, guys. I need more long <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Look, I just found your panel, Josh. Yeah. I was looking for it. Yeah, there it is. I remember the thud. I remember the mean bug superpose too, Travis. I was trying to find that because I remember remarking on his cape when I read it. And it was so 90s. Because, you know, after Hush, they went to like the, you know, inch long ears. Yeah. yeah versus, yeah, yeah. you know, like the six inch. Yeah. Well, so I think, I just, uh, I think, we, I think we kind of agree that uh, we like the book. And I, I think we recommend this book. And, you know, part of comic exposure is maybe this is a book that you might have picked up not being a long time comic book reader. Uh, you see it in Barnes and Nobles, and you pick it up, and maybe you typed in online, and you found this podcast on it. So, um, 
this is a book you can talk about with your friends. Uh, if you haven't read it, I don't think if you made it to this point, you obviously listen to the podcast. But listen, we didn't spoil very much for you. There's there's a lot in this book, and we kind of talked around some of the plot lines and things. Uh, and trust me, you you're you're gonna be taking on some twists and turns that uh, we didn't spoil. So go out, get this book, read it. It's it's part of the canon. It's it's. If it's not, you know, in their if it's not their favorite Batman story, it sounds like maybe we got it in Josh and Dan's top ten at this point. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so go out and it read was, it. Like, it wasn't it like in it was uh, it was quick and easy to read. It, like a, so yeah, it was a delight. Tell them what's up next, Josh. It's, uh, it's, uh, so next up, we'll have another variant edition, and then the next book we've got is uh, going to be. Uh, Dark and Bloody uh, by Scott, drawn by Scott Godleski and uh, written by, uh, dang it, it escapes me. He was on the sh- uh, Sean Aldridge. Uh, Sean Aldridge wrote it. Uh, Scott Godleski uh, drew it. That's the next book. A nice little horror book for Halloween. Should be good times. Our man Freddy's coming back on. Yeah, both, Ladies both, and gentlemen, both thanks. of those writer and artists are previous guests of the show. Sean Aldridge they and are. Scott Godleski. Which which is pretty great. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thanks to Dan for coming on the show, Miss Doctor Batman coming on the show. Uh, and remember that you can find us on uh, ComicExposure dot com and uh, tw- on Twitter at ComicExposure. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next trade. <laughs>